0: All right, looks like we're live. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Lauren and it is another episode of Tuesday Feelings with Ricardo Certivant today, live on YouTube, Facebook, and any other places. If this is something that you're listening to, thank you guys for any of the podcast channels like Spotify that we uh that we have. Uh today's a really cool episode because we haven't been on for a little while. We had Christmas, we had all sorts of stuff that we get to talk about. Um, yeah, so if. If you guys haven't, the way to get to this is to go to ReinventingTheTattoo.com, scroll down to our calendar, and click the link to join, and um, we'll share your work and all sorts of stuff like that. Other than that, we have live weekly shows that are happening all the time. On Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern is Jason Leeser's Skill Building Sundays. All are welcome. Also, on Monday mornings, we start early at 9 a.m. with James Wisdom drawing for tattooers. Also, later at 11 a.m., Jake Minks, myself, and Gabe Ripley have the Tattoo Weekly, um, later in the evening at five is Robbie Ruppels. uh, Let's Talk About Feelings, followed by the evolution classes that meet every Monday evening at nine. If you're unfamiliar with the learning platform that Guy Aderson has, it's at reinvindingthetattoo.com and they have the Canon and it's pretty cool. You have the yearly subscriptions and all sorts of stuff, different courses. And um, I could probably show you guys in just a little bit all of that at reinvindingthetattoo.com. Other than that, uh, let's go ahead and bring in Ricardo Fawns here too to see what we're gonna work on today. I haven't said that script in a while, so I kind of forgot a little bit of the things, so yeah. But the main thing, if you guys do wanna join and you're watching on YouTube, feel free. It's just a Zoom link away. Um, You don't have to show your face. You can just do your audio or show what you're working on. Um, It's always fun. So, Ricardo, how have you been?
1: Hey, Lauren, how's it going? I've been pretty good. Uh, Survived the holidays, you know what I mean? Yeah. So far. How about
2: you?
0: Uh, Yeah, survive the holidays. <laughs> My kids, you know, in Santa, it's a it's a whole new thing. My daughter got a lot of art stuff. So, you know, between makeup and beads and necklaces and rings, bracelets, all sorts of stuff. I have it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, kids are pretty funny that way sometimes. A lot of times in the very beginning, uh, like first two years or so like that, you know, you buy all these presents and everything, but they just want to play with the boxes and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's hilarious. You're like, why did I spend all this money? I should have just gone to U-Haul and got some boxes and wrapped them. But yeah, 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 no, we're here. Um, Fawn, how are you doing today?
3: Oh, pretty good. Um, I've kind of been having this painting that was yelling at me the last few days, and Lauren's like, well, you should join in and work on that painting. So here I am.
1: Well, that's awesome. Thanks for joining. Let's Can we check it out and see what you're working on?
3: Oh, uh, yeah just a crazy landscape right now
1: okay and I haven't done very many landscapes do you find it difficult to start that they just kind of appear to me
3: like once I really? lay a colorful ground it just kind of like they just appear it's I don't know I don't know where it comes from
1: you got some uh, Bob Ross things going on huh definitely
3: Yeah, we'll just put a happy purple little tree right here. We'll throw some like blue bumblebees over here. We'll flip flop the spectrum over here. (laughs) That's funny.
1: I do like it. I gotta be honest. Like, I I like. Are you working in oils right now?
3: Yeah, I usually I work in oils. Like, I I kind of force myself to work in acrylics on occasion, just because that's what you know. It's easier to travel with acrylics. It's easy to work on. Like collaborations with other artists with acrylics, I think, but I feel like I can always manipulate the oils to do more with less work.
1: Gotcha.
0: Do you have your little uh, container that or your little travel case, Sandy? This. Yeah, that's a part of You might like that. This right here. Oh yeah! Look at that.
3: It's one of the Gorilla Painter uh, Poshad boxes. They actually have one that's a little bit smaller than this, but I didn't think that would be practical. So I can like, basically I can load this up with my whole palette and I can take just this box with me. I have like a little, uh, I'll show you, I've got this little flask of all this that I keep. So it's like just the tiniest little amounts of everything. And then a little case of brushes. yeah killer so so in this like seven by nine case I have literally an entire art studio my brother my brother-in-law was teasing me one time while I was like kind of setting up my toolboxes because I've got this for oil I've got another toolbox for acrylic I've also got another toolbox for watercolors but my brother-in-law was kind of teasing me he's like how small do you think you could make a professional art studio I was like this box this this box is how small I can make a professional art studio so these brushes are about worn out and need replaced but other than that it's been I've been working off of this little box for about maybe four years now
1: right on have you gone through like changes with it and stuff like that like seen modifications that you can make along the way or has it worked out pretty well from the beginning
3: Um, One of the things, so the Gorilla Painter Poshad boxes, like it's a specific brand that's called Gorilla Painter. They're kind of like the Cadillac of (laughs) like travel boxes. They come in all different sizes, but like everything about it is customizable. Like you can order an additional palette that folds out. You can order little drawer inserts. Um, The cool thing about this box is it's got a thumb hole in it, so I can hold the whole box like it's a palette and I don't have to have, like, multiple things, but, um, I mean, sometimes I'll have two paintings up in the top, and then I'll have, like, paintings around me, and I'll have everything on the palette that I need for multiple paintings, and I can still hold it in my hand.
1: So yeah, you know, it, it looks cool. pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is awesome that you can store them and stuff like that, too, and I know that, you know, when you get on a plane and everything like that, it's, especially if you're plain air painting, which I've only done once, um, you know, it's really convenient to be able to put that in a bag with your clothes yeah. and stuff like that and just kind of take it on
3: this is designed to carry a wet painting too. all the gorilla stuff like they've got these little holders in the top and then mm-hmm. once you close it up your painting will be secure and still not touching anything except on the very edges so they're really well thought out um jordan just ordered a larger one for himself and then he ordered like one of the full like stand-up post post boxes that has like a uh basically like a camera stand, like a tripod underneath of it. Right. Um, but he's, you know, he lays his palettes out way different than I do. Yeah. I'll, I'll just throw like whatever colors I'm using for the period of time. But he's, he's like traditionally blending out from like all of his grays to his whites. And then he's mixing in all of his warms and cools. So he's got like a full traditional oil painter's palette in front of him all the time but he's doing some crazy stuff so whatever nice. he's doing keep doing it
1: yeah that's pretty cool that you can take the same box and you know the artist next to you in an entirely different way
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's pretty bitching. yeah you know i was just gonna ask about the uh the tripod stand because i know it looks like with that box not only is it like you know utilitarian as far as packaging and, and containing your um your painting supplies and things like that but you can also use it as the easel itself too Mm -hmm. that's what I like a lot
3: yeah and like for instance I've got this little guy in here right now so like Mm -hmm. with this big painting now that I've got this ground laid if I get to a point where like I need to like let things dry before I add another layer or you know how it is with oils like sometimes you just kind of like walk away and let the painting be itself yeah um, I've, I've always got these little guys that are like just to kind of keep my mind and hand busy if I am in the mood to paint I don't want to like hit a wall and stop when that energy's flowing
1: yeah that's always the most bummiest part about painting sometimes isn't it
3: yeah, well uh, that's, one, that's one of the reasons I like having multiple pieces going because like sometimes like I said you you gotta you gotta stop like for the sake of like what the piece needs sometimes you gotta stop and you've got to let it rest or you've got to stop and like let the rest of the idea come to you or the rest of the tricks come to you or whatever it is but having these little guys around to just like noodle on and play with it like keeps my hand and mind and eye busy like I may never do anything with these but like this kept me busy while I was waiting for another layer to dry on something else and I can always like jump back into it and correct it and change it but like I think it's really important to have these little projects just like ready to keep your mind busy on the in-between.
1: You know that is pretty cool that you say that because like over the break, I have um, taken the past like week or so off and uh, it's been pretty cool. And I did some paintings for people for Christmas gifts and stuff like that. You know, and it was just your acrylics and everything like that, but I do approach acrylics like with the layered kind of effect the way mm-hmm. you would with oils, you know what I mean? Um, but I do enjoy it because it's fast. It dries really quick. And I know exactly what you mean with that mode of, uh of creativity you know what I mean because I did have three of them going at one time so it was pretty awesome to be able to just jump back from one to another uh, and by the time you're finished working on the third one the other one's already dry enough to where you can kind of start layering things on top of it too you know um, so it is pretty cool especially with the oils to have I can see the benefit of having that that process going where there's multiple paintings because it, it is hard sometimes to kind of like get back in the mode you know what I mean like especially with oils and to be able to have that convenient setup like that. Like it's, it doesn't take you qu- very quick to just jump into a painting. Like, man, yeah. in some studios, you know, it's just, just set up strictly for oil painting that way you don't have to come back in and set everything back up and tear everything back down and all that time. Well, the it other takes thing is stuff.
3: I've, I've always been kind of a minimalist style painter. Like I'll paint off a little tiny palette in my hand before I get, I'll get out a big one. But the other thing is, it's like, like I can, open this up and I can paint around my niece's nephew and not worry about the fumes bothering them because mm-hmm. like I got like, here's my solvent container. I'll show you. Look at yeah. how much solvent I'm using. Like
1: yeah,
3: when, when you've got this much solvent, you don't really have to worry about ventilation. You know, yeah. if I had a whole jar with a whole liter of solvent sitting there evaporating into the air, now I've got to worry about keeping the window open I got to worry about my own breathing as well as the people around me but like it's kind of like one of the added benefits of working tiny and minimalist is because I've always got just enough liquid for you know a session or two and then I've always got just enough solvent for like the next couple of hours I don't need to have like the whole jar um, and like sometimes I'll take two ink caps and I'll have a clean solvent and a uh, dirty solvent just like you know when I'm tattooing I'll have like my clean rinse cup and my dirty rinse cup, and it just kind of keeps the, you know, it's almost like working minimalist keeps my my oil painting setup similar to my tattooing setup. Like, as far as my workflow goes, I can just, I don't know, everything's right there makes it very similar, similar process for my brain to like come and pick up colors and mix colors as I go, or dilute
1: the color on the fly or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. yeah you know I, I i did um a class last year or the year before i can't remember in january with uh joseph Todorovich. and uh before i started doing any kind of like um guided oil paintings you know i always treated the oils kind of like the way that i would with the acrylics so that i painted with acrylics for so long so I would, like i would have this big mess of paints out of my palette and stuff like that you know what i mean i didn't realize how little it actually takes to oil paint you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like there's such a minimal amount of paint that you need on your on your palette in order to kind of like cover a big canvas like you are already you know what I mean so
3: well uh, and one of the things I'm learning and Jordan and I have been talking about it a lot is uh the difference in the quality of the colors you're painting with like if you're using really good quality oil colors yeah you can paint with like a pea-sized dot of that color for hours Mm -hmm. you know like for instance, the, the two colors that I laid this ground with, I probably had like a nickel size dollop of each. And I, I covered this whole canvas in that and still had extra. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool when you realize like through, through being minimalist, you kind of realize how little you actually need. And then when you realize how little you need, you realize how long your art supplies are going to last. You realize like how few trips you need to make to the art supply store when you are using your materials. Um,
1: like yeah, totally.
3: Economically, that's the word I'm looking for when you're using materials economically.
1: <laughs> economically. Yeah, I, I would say that um, I have discovered that as well. Like, um, you know, you put a little bit more money into the into the colors and stuff like that that you purchase and everything. And um, it does help out quite a bit. You know, if you're just experimenting and you're just getting your feet wet and stuff like that, I can totally understand buying something off the shelf at, you know, the box store and everything like that. But those paints are far, far more inferior than like the, you know, the stuff that you can buy at bigger stores, bigger surpluses or like, you know, more, more big name kind of oil supply companies and stuff like that. I haven't oil painted for a while. I think I need to start doing that a little bit more often again.
3: I usually use um, liquid to speed up my drying process, but I've got a painting that I've started as a gift for somebody that I need to jump back on. And I'm kind of like, I'm using linseed oil as my um, medium. And it's kind of nice to play with the silkiness and the slow dry of it. And this piece is a portrait, which is kind of like out of character for me as well. So I'm just trying to approach it in a little bit more of a traditional manner. And it's it's amazing how much I still like that slow dry when it's appropriate as much as I yeah. love using the liquid to like, you know, make my painting workable after 45 minutes, it's kind of nice to like lay a layer and then come back two days later and it's still workable and it's still movable. And it's kind of nice to like remind myself that like sometimes it's nice to have the, the quickness of the process, but sometimes it's really nice to remember like the magic of having days to manipulate and move paint around and blend it and push it and pull it instead of hours it's nice
1: it's a very freeing thing you know what i mean like it's um when i first started doing even acrylics I, I would always think of it as you know when you're drawing with a pen before i started tattooing and things like that like how permanent the idea of that that stroke is you know what i mean but the one of the coolest parts about mediums and things like that that you can implement into your oils is that the way that you can kind of like push things around like you said you know what i mean like it, it's crazy there's a process in the in the oil painting where you do that exactly like where you just kind of are pushing things around to kind of get the did uh, like a fine tune the, the proportions or fine tune like the placement of the color and things like that it's it's pretty incredible and i know that it is very freeing once you realize that that's not as permanent as you think it is you know what i mean
3: yeah, I feel like a lot of people are intimidated at the thought of oil painting but it like the more people I talk to the more I realize they're just intimidated by the chemistry. So if yep. you can just break the chemistry down for them and explain like okay if it's solvent that means you need to use solvent to clean it up and solvent to clean your brushes other than that it's no different than acrylic. Yeah.
1: Like,
3: just use it, just run and then like instead of being intimidating if if I can help somebody see like how forgiving oil painting is. Like, I don't don't know another medium that's more forgiving than oil painting, except for, like, maybe sculpting in clay. Um, Because, like, for instance, everything that I've done on this today, because it sat for a couple of days, if I don't like it, I could take a rag or a, a bounty with solvent on it. And I could wipe this whole layer off before it cures. So it's, like, it's the only medium where there's an undo button. Mm. a go back button and that's just like you can remove your whole day's worth of work or your whole few hours worth of work if you decide you don't like it and you can come back into it and redo it or you know you can just softly push those things out and layer on top of them and kind of camouflage them in but i i've always liked the the option to like do something bold with my paintings because if i don't like it i can just wipe it off before it cures and I don't have that freedom with acrylics I only have that freedom with oils
1: yeah have you ever worked on wood panel with oils oh yeah absolutely yeah that's one of the cool things about it is that like um I did this picture and uh, the proportions were way off you know what I mean just so far off did it look like I started this portrait with like my eyes closed even you know what I mean but um I was so like oh man I just ruined this thing and and that guy was like hey dude just uh go ahead and just scrape it off with you know with your palette knife I was like oh crap yeah you're right okay wait, what? so I just yeah exactly I was like wait huh no way dude but That's not against what the I, rules what I, Yeah what I found out was that like it was actually pretty cool to go through that process one you know I learned a lot about like the proportions and understanding like facial structure and stuff like that for sure but like um it was it provided a really cool uh you know saturation on the on the surface for the next coat of the painting too though you know what I mean because there was quite a bit of it still left I took the bigger chunks off and stuff like that and when I first started the underpainting you can still see a lot of the structure that was still there but um it helped out like with like the tooth of the of the canvas you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it was it was really cool to be able to see and experience that in that quote-unquote failure part of that process you know I think, I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about oil painting for sure is that it has taught me a lot about, um, you know, not, not looking at it from the perspective of, I fucked it up. I gotta throw it away now. You know what I mean? And more or less just like understanding what it was that I can do a little bit differently next time. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And now I understand why there's a lot of these like famous paintings with like, you know, two or three different paintings underneath them.
3: (laughs) You know, and that's one of those things that like only another artist is even gonna like pay any attention to just because we we get we get into the process like i don't know about you but when i'm around like a an, another person's art collection or if i'm like actually at a museum or you know and you play, stay at a higher end motel and they've got like curated art collections and things like that like not every person walks up to that painting and puts their face four inches away from it and like looks up at all the brush strokes and looks at the layers not every not every viewer does that it's that's only the other artists who are deconstructing the painting are doing that so does it hurt anything to leave those layers in there have those little uh, windows into the process I don't think so Um, I kind of like when I see paintings like that it kind of like reminds me that these painters that I look up to are human and they're going through the same processes that I do. And they're, you know, they'll paint something and then they'll change their mind halfway through, or they'll paint something and they'll realize, like you said, like the proportion is off. And sometimes you, sometimes you're so far along before you realize what it is that doesn't look right. That like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I need to, I need to move everything over a half inch or it's not going to work. And then, you know, it might be hours and hours of redoing the same thing that you already did a day or two ago. But like, once you see it, you can't unsee it, because then you know, everybody else that looks at it's going to see that same thing that makes it feel wonky when you look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have some friends that will look at my paintings and go, it looks great. And I'm like, dude, do you not see the obvious blunder there? Like, it's just it needs to move over to the whole right, like everything needs to move over to right, like it's not centered, nothing. They're like, it looks fantastic. I'm like, uh, I love you, but no, go away. Cause I'm going to redo this whole thing now.
3: <laughs> you'll, you'll point it out to them and they'll be like, I don't even see what you're talking about, bro. It yeah. looks great to me.
1: It looks fantastic. You're like, Oh man, dude, well, I'm going to sell this to you then. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you <laughs> hang, it like, in your I'll house. hang it on
3: my wall. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, whenever you, whenever Just I come over and hang where out, I have to look at it. Exactly. Put it in like, you know, the basement or something <laughs> like that. So whenever I come over and hang out, I don't leave right away. <laughs> Oh, man, dude, my mom was great, man. She used to, uh, when I would go and visit her at her house, she had all my old sketches that I would do in, like, junior high and high school and stuff like that, and she had them all framed and everything, and I was like, man, these are just not good, you know what I mean? But it was so cool to, like, see her just, like, so proud of this uh, point that I was at at one point in time in comparison to what I did more recently, you know what I mean? So that was fun. But at the same time, I felt the same way. I was like, I'm I'm going to leave now. Like, you need to put a, a towel over those things or something. <laughs> You know what we
3: should do, Ricardo? One of these days, we should like take a tour of our artwork that's at our mom's houses. You know, our moms have all of our high school stuff, our middle Mm -hmm. school stuff. Yeah. Um, I just kind of like bickered at my mom a couple weekends ago. I was like, why are these paintings sitting against the wall like this? She's like, well, I just didn't hang them back up. I was like, mom, those are from college. I can't replace those. Like yeah. those were important, special lessons. Like <laughs> I basically like nicely was like, if you're not hanging them up, I'm taking them home. She's like, I'll nice. hang them up. I'll hang them up. <laughs> and then we've got, we, we call it the blue room, but there's this little like office area in her house where like, it's kind of like the dog room and the Guinea pig room. But I got there over the. The holiday and both of the paintings were hanging right back up where they belonged. And I was like, You're lucky, they almost got relocated. I don't know where yeah. I would have put them.
1: Would have put them somewhere, though. Definitely would have put them somewhere, not on your, not on, not against your wall. Ma, thanks a lot.
3: It's, it's funny, it's like, Why don't you have those ones that I don't care about leaning up against the wall? Come on,
1: right? Totally. Uh,
3: she put them back up where they belong, so yeah.
1: You know, that's part of the reason that you see some, you know, like you go to the, you know, the Hobby Lobby or something like that, and you see all these paintings that are just like, you know, churned out, you know what I mean? Uh, and people buy them, people love them, you know what I mean? It's crazy because like, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? Um, you have some paintings where you're like, what the hell were you thinking? And it's the same thing with tattoos, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but you know, when I do go out, somebody will come up to me and ask me what I think about their, their tattoo, and it's not very good. You know what I mean? I think the thing that I started realizing is that when I tell people, "Well, what do you think about the tattoo? I love it. I'm like, well, then it's a good tattoo. But my opinion doesn't really matter because it's kind of like a, a jaded or not jaded, but a biased one at this point, you know, as far as like what I'm looking for in the quality of a tattoo or a painting. So you're,
3: you're you're deconstructing it based on actual quality and like the way we critique our work and they're basing it on, this is something that makes them feel good about themselves. It's something that tells the story that they want to tell and it's everything they want it to be. Yeah. So like, sometimes it's like, we got to have, even though we do this every day, even though we know the difference between phenomenal work and mediocre work and bad work, sometimes at the end of the day, it's not our place to be like, bro, that sucks.
1: Yeah, Sometimes totally. at the end of
3: the day, it's, it's our place to be like, I'm glad you have that. I'm glad you have the experience. I'm glad it was a healing process or a learning process. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, it's one of those, like, it's so each one of our tattoo journeys is totally different. Just like each one of our like art journeys is totally different.
1: Yeah. You know, I did catch you guys talking with Kyle about his experience at a uh, hyperspace and stuff too, like the entire process of getting tattooed, what it's like to be tattooed by guy, um, you know, everything that was involved as far as the pain and stuff like that goes to the discomfort and everything. But it was pretty cool to be able to catch some of that and have, have him listen to that from his perspective. You know what I mean? As far as yeah, what it means to him and stuff like that. And I, I think it kind of goes along with what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, a, that's exactly a, like you can't, you can't go through. I mean, the person he got tattooed by with guy, you know what I mean? It's like, come on, that tattoo is going to be phenomenal. Like, you know what I mean? But, um, and it was, and it is looking really killer too, by the way. So, uh, but I think guys even said this before too, you know what I mean? It's it's not really our place to kind of like give people crap when they might say the wrong thing, whenever they're coming in to get a tattoo or use the wrong vocabulary or the wrong, wrong defining word. Uh, It's more more or less our our opportunity to kind of like help educate and push that that medium a little bit further, you know?
3: Do you want to know what one of my pet peeves is? And I stopped correcting people on it just because I feel like it's one of those things when somebody's like, I want a whole portrait of a landscape. (laughs) I want a whole portrait on my back and I want (laughs) scenes and I want words. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you you understand that a, a portrait is a portrait right like that's a painting of a face a,
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's a portrait mm-hmm. I just don't even correct anybody anymore it's like yeah that would be nice to have an epic piece like that
1: Yep. yes it exactly. would yeah yeah totally because I mean they really... don't have
3: the art terminology and they're trying yeah. to sound like they do they're trying that's in a nutshell that's what I've learned is when pe- sometimes when people use the wrong art words they're just trying to use vocabulary that they know And it's not out of disrespect. It's not because they're ignorant. It's because they don't live in this world. It's because they don't use these words in this vernacular every day, the way that we do. So no sense correcting them. No sense. in like making them feel less than because they use the word portrait wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I knew what they meant, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know what they're here for, you know what they're talking about. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then think about how much of the process you, you can impede on with you and that person and making something, you know, fantastic for them, you know what I mean? Together, you know Um, you can impede on so much of that process just by kind of like interjecting that opinion on them. You know what I mean? When you can just, like you said, just kind of like take it as a grain with a grain of salt and move on and give them what they're looking for, you know, and steer them in the right direction. Um, And I'll be honest with you for real honest with you right now, like, even up until a few years ago, I didn't know a lot of the like proper terminology for art and stuff like that either. You know what I mean? But I started kind of like putting my head down and learning a lot of the de- defining words and things like that. And that way, I can talk to other artists and kind of like move a little bit more of my progress a little bit easier. You know what I mean? And be able to like uh, interpret what we're talking about and how we're trying to get to the idea of a finished project. You know what I mean? So um, it helps out a lot when you do kind of invest yourself in that way but at the same time when it comes to like, uh, like quote-unquote layman it's easier to just kind of be like yep cool man I got you I know what you're saying or yeah you love that tattoo cool man I'm glad you dig it that's what counts <laughs> although there are times it where it's is like funny dude... how no matter mm-hmm, no
3: matter of what how sometimes no matter like what I'm, no matter what I'm doing, what the, the purpose of being out is, people are bound to take their clothes off around me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have that? You'll be out yes. like doing something social and the next thing you know, some guy's got his coat and shirt off and guy's pulling his pants down and this other guy's lifting his shirt off and practically mooning the rest of the room.
1: Yep. Totally. Entirely. All but the at time. At the same
3: time, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just as likely to take my shirt off in a crowded room of people too. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at I guess I guess it depends if what you're I like have. you know at a restaurant or not though you know <laughs> if you're in a restaurant full of other tattoo artists and the entire table was nothing but tattoo artists that's another thing entirely but like if you're like you know at Chuck E. Cheese's with your kids and stuff like that you know that's a different story altogether like dude I think we're gonna get arrested you should put your pants back on bro <laughs> is
3: this is this indecent yet still decent okay let's keep going
1: yeah totally oh man i love it it is pretty crazy though isn't it it's like one of the one of the few uh things you can do in life where it's okay when you walk into the room of a tattoo shop and somebody's got their jeans off and they're just like these like four or five people standing around them like looking at their legs and stuff you know what i mean (laughs) it happened just the other day here at the shop i had i had finished the uh Part of a sleeve on this this lady's arm that I've been working on for a little while, and I've done her whole back and her hip and everything like that. And she had her, you know, she had her shirt up and she's showing the back and stuff like that. And clients were walking in, like new clients buying gift certificates for people and stuff like that. And here's this lady just kind of like standing there, like covering her, you know, her chest. <laughs> and everybody's just standing around her, dude. It's fucking hilarious, man. The looks on those people's faces was priceless, dude. They're like, oh, uh, I don't know if I should be here or. There was a whole lot of, I don't know why I should be here. And there was a few that were like, oh, man, I walked in at just the right time.
3: <laughs> I actually think that's one of the special things about, um, you know, a classier tattoo studio is because, you know, it, it is safe enough that people can just take their clothes off.
1: Yeah, totally.
3: You know, like, I mean, I feel like this is going to sound crazy. I feel like I'm probably... I don't know, me and Derb both end up being partially nude at Red Tree a lot. Like we just are showing off our tattoos all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know that any of our, well, Jordan, Jordan takes his clothes off to show his tattoos off a lot. But um, it's, it's just crazy that like, I don't know any other work environment that I could ever have where it's like, it would be normal to be like, hey Derb, can you take some pictures of me to send to so-and-so for this tattoo I want? And like to just step into the office and take topless photos of one another and have it be like not sexual, nothing, nothing inappropriate whatsoever, but to have that level of trust with one another and to like have that same amount of passion for these projects that we're collecting as one another. Um, I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty special. And I think that's something that like, you know, if you haven't been to a shop where you can experience that kind of safety and that, that like, the ability to completely let your guard down then mm-hmm. like you need to look for a better shop
0: <laughs> I, think I agree that's, completely.
3: A, that's a I feel like that's one of the um it's almost like one of the things that makes being a tattoo collector that, that's part of the camaraderie of collecting and going through these experiences is like having that safe space to have these experiences um, yeah when I first set up my first shop I didn't really understand that yet I mean not that I don't treat people that way just you know out of like rule of thumb like I want people to feel safe around me but once I started hearing and you know this is a small town so there's only Mm -hmm. a handful of shops to choose from once I started hearing people say how comfortable they felt with me and how comfortable they felt in my shop and how nice it was that like if they were modest, I would just lock the door and we'd just have a private day. And we didn't even have to worry about anybody coming in or anything like that. Um, It became apparent that that was something that was really special to collectors. And that was something that like, even though people don't say it aloud or realize that's what they're looking for, they are, they're looking for that place that they can be safe and expressive and they can let their guard down and they can trust you to make these like lifelong changes to their bodies and also Mm -hmm. like trust you to you know not have to worry about modesty around them you know it's just
1: yeah i I mean it's such a vulnerable kind of like uh position that people are in whenever they are getting tattooed you know what i mean like we create like we're in their bubble you know like there's this personal bubble that we all have and um we do we do kind of get into that space of theirs. You know what I mean? They're allowing us in and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it is important to kind of curate that, that sense of uh, safety and stuff like that's, that too.
3: Yep, I also think that's kind of what leads to like the shamanic connection between artist and collector. You know, I didn't I didn't expect those kind of connections when I started tattooing or I started collecting tattoos the way that I have. I didn't right. expect to feel like these spiritual connections to the person that was making marks on me. Yeah. And like transforming my body but like the further along I get the more spiritually connected I feel to everybody that works on me granted yeah. my projects aren't little so like when I collect a tattoo it's like hours and months that I'm spending with these people but right. that connection is like I don't know it's more real than some of my close friendships you know they've like for instance we'll use Adam France as an example because he's got I don't know Russ is probably close but they've got a lot of hours on me But like, when you have your hands on somebody's body, you can, it's almost like reading their mind, you can feel their heart rate, you can feel them breathe, you know, you can feel when they're nervous, or when they're collecting themselves, you can feel when they're relaxed and comfortable. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think once
3: you start opening those kinds of communications with somebody with anybody, you just become more connected and more attached and more, um, more symbiotic, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a really cool magic thing I never expected like being a tattooer or getting tattoos and that's just like one of those accidental gifts that like the tattoo world has given me is these super deep unconditional connections like you know I could there, there could be I don't know any situation in the world and I would trust Adam completely and wholeheartedly just because we've shared these experiences together you know, right. I never, I know he'd never have anything but my best interest in mind, you know, just because yeah. that's how connected we became. And I don't, I agree with you entirely. No, I don't know as a tattooer, I don't know another job where I could ever have that experience of connection with another person, like as part of my job, like therapists maybe, but they have, they've got this rule to keep themselves disconnected. You know, they need to keep their emotions at a safe distance where as a tattooer and a collector we can share very vulnerably and very openly and like when my clients get emotional usually I'm flooded with that emotion as well and
1: oh, you know, there's
3: no there's no other job in the world where we can connect with people like this
1: yeah I agree with you as, completely. as a
3: collector there's no other experience to like to compare it to
1: yeah yeah, you know, there's all those running jokes about like, you know, I'm ready for some ink therapy and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But there is some truth to it, you know, and I agree with you completely. It's something that I never expected to happen either, um, but it does happen. And I, I think, you know, when you look at the personal journey and stuff like that, like one of the things that help you us grow as a person is to be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes, to be empathetic, to learn to be empathetic. And also like um, vulnerability, you know, like true transparent vulnerability is what's going to like help you grow as a person entirely. And I think that there's something to be said about that, the process of getting tattooed, especially in some of those more painful spots. Like you've talked a lot about the the portions of your body that are tattooed and they all sound pretty intense. You know what I mean? And the the hours that you're putting into it too. So when you're doing that to somebody else and you've experienced it yourself, you know what they're going through, you know? So that's Mm -hmm. that empathy part. And you're like, you're there with them and you can sense that feel that they have at that moment. Like it reminds you, it kind of clicks in. And like, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of that connection that kind of happens because of those things. I think the very primal things that are happening. Like you're talking about that shamanic kind of thing. It was like, there's a primal, there's a primal state for all of us. And I think that we start to experience those things whenever we do put ourselves in that position of, you know, somebody's in my personal space. They're, they're inflicting this kind of like, this trauma to my body, not necessarily to my person, but to the actual physical part of your body, you know, like the the organ of the skin, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think that does have a lot to do with it, you know? And I I think that there's some, there's some validated, measurable kind of things that are happening there. And not only that, but like the, the connection that it creates on the spiritual level for sure, man, like you, you have become open and you have become like vulnerable to this person in the scenario that you're in. And then you go back repeatedly to be able to finish the project and stuff too. So that makes complete sense and I couldn't agree with you more like man I've made some pretty interesting friends along the way and some people that I'm very close to that I've tattooed you know extensively and uh, it's been pretty awesome and then like to be able to share in some of these moments with some of these people that are coming in for their tattoos whether they're memorial memorializing somebody's you know essence or like or capturing something that they that belongs to them that they want to share on the outside. You know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty empowering thing. dude. And um, I've, I've, I've been able to witness a lot of, a lot of things that are happening on the inside of a person coming through in that moment too. So it's been pretty powerful for sure. Yeah. I'm the guy I'm,
3: I'm working on this afternoon, he, I, I've only had one session with him and it was a long session and it was on his arm, upper arm it's going to be a whole sleeve. But he our first session together, he really, really struggled. And it's crazy, because like, physically, like, everything, all the tells were telling me that he was handling the pain fine. But like, Mm -hmm. some of the emotional things he was going through were just like, you know, even though he wasn't sharing them with me with words, I could still feel that energy passing through him. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I don't know i just wanted to hug him the whole time like i just wanted yeah. to be like i don't want to hurt you i want to hug you come here yeah <laughs> but
0: hey guys cool. <clears throat> sorry to interrupt i'm here ish uh what what's up thanks for joining hey. and amber is hopping on as well so what are you guys up to we got ricardo and the girls today yep. yeah
4: yeah right
0: <laughs> you know it is funny too from the client perspective because i was recently tattooed it's fresh in my mind like going through that experience and trying to maintain is very difficult so it is pretty interesting to see to be so close with you guys as artists and not tattoo myself and then get tattooed by both guy and fawn recently trying to keep my cool that Uh is um it's like running a marathon with your brain power
3: Uh, see that's why you you hear me say it all the time on uh on tattoo collecting show. Um, but it it is like a marathon on your body. It's like this mental game that you have to play. And you're like, whether you choose to exert that energy to just sit there and keep taking the pain, whether you choose to do that or not, you've already chosen to do that. So you've just got to wrap your head around like the different walls that you hit. Like, I don't know. I, I really like comparing it to running a marathon because like in a, in a long distance race, The first part of it, you need to be strategic. You need to save your energy for the middle and end of the race. So, you need to, you know, mentally, you need to be in the right place. The first part of the game, the first part of the race. The middle of the race is where you start getting tired and you start getting like, do I even need to finish this? You start playing that mental game with yourself, like, I could tap out at any time. I don't have to finish this. I I don't have to sit here and take this, but you keep doing it because you committed to it and you keep going and you keep pushing through. And then you hit another wall where it's no longer a mental game of, should I do this? Can I do this? It becomes the physical game. Like my body is tapped. I'm exhausted, but I still need to sit here because we haven't reached the finish line yet. I still need to keep going because that's the commitment I've made. And then even though everything in your body is telling you to get up and run away, now you've got that like fight or flight instinct and all of those chemicals flooding your body that make you feel even more exhausted when you're already exhausted. And then you've got all of the like emotional thoughts on top of that. So you know, your, your body's going through these crazy things and it's going through this crazy trauma, but it's, it's really like running a race that you do or don't want to run. Like maybe you wanted to run the race before you started, but once you're seven miles in, you don't want to run this race anymore, but you still have three miles to go, you know, but you can't stop. they're,
4: They're all like, oh, I've had, you know, three kids. I can take this all day long. And There's a lot of difference between on purpose pain and, and not on purpose, pain and once, yeah. you, once you get your head in that mindset of taking it like you're in there as long as you can run that through to the end like that's why I hate when people try to do the countdown like how much longer we got it's that it's, 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 literally as soon as you remotely give them any kind of time span immediately they start going downhill like they, they were they were, they were mm-hmm. two hours and two hours and 15 minutes and now they're going downhill <laughs> so we're real fast
3: One of the things that I think helps with that is instead of saying how, how much longer we have to do, I can say, well, this is the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And then it's like, we're both working towards the same goal rather than counting down the clock. And then it's like, then the mental game for them is like, okay, if I can sit solid for this next half hour, then we're going to be almost done. And I'll only have this one little piece to go. And like, they can see the closer we get to whatever that goal is. They can see it right there with me. Yeah, I think sometimes that really helps rather than just watching the seconds tick down on the clock.
1: I agree completely. I always tell people the same thing. It's like, okay, so let's just measure this with like, let's finish this field of color. Let's, let's finish this tone of color. Like let's finish the black and gray today. You know what I mean? Like let's get there. And then after that, if you're still feeling frisky and you still want to keep going, man, let's keep on going. You know what I mean? And most of the time, once you break it down into those like little chunks and stuff like that for them, that's, it's way more manageable
3: little you know, goals I, along the
1: way yes exactly
3: yeah.
1: um you know and, uh yeah dude that's crazy like I, I agree completely i think tattooing has made made it much more real to me like how sub how subjective our reality really is you know what i mean it's like if you're putting yourself through this pain it's like it, you're choosing to be there you know what i mean it's like anything else in life really like uh the, the choice is yours on how you how you want to do it to be uh it to play out you know what i mean so like You can sit there and just be wincing the entire time telling yourself how bad it hurts or you can change your frame of reference and you can say, "Okay, this is pretty uncomfortable, but I'm not like dying. You know what I mean?
3: Yes. Is that really how you talk to yourself, though, Ricardo?
1: Yeah, sometimes.
3: (laughs) Do you want to know how I talk to myself when I'm getting tattooed? Oh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Why do I do this to myself? (laughs) This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. This was not a good idea so it'll be like hours and hours of me being like why did I sign up for this
1: yeah but I did it's usually the first 15 or 20 minutes for me I'm like what am I doing why am I doing this to myself and then the question I always ask myself is how do people have conversations with me while I'm doing this to them I don't get it
3: yeah for me it's usually like hour four or five that it starts setting in where I'm like why why did I do this
1: (laughs) Like I won't buy. Like the last time tat- a guy tattooed me, um, we were finishing up the second session on the on the sleeve, on the half sleeve, and he started busting out the white highlights, and I was like, "Oh shit," you know what <laughs> I mean? And like, and I was like, "Oh man, dude!" And I literally got go. so I got so quiet, and like I could tell I was like starting to pull away a little bit, and I was like, "Don't do that, dude! This dude's tattooing you right now. Like, stop!" And like, uh I know that his wife had come in. I was talking to us and stuff like that, and. And I was just like, not comfortable at all, man. Like I was already trying to have communication and trying to talk to everybody and stuff like that. But I was just, I just shut down, dude. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done.
5: Sometimes you just got to completely go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, totally. Do you, do you find that that helps you a lot? Because I I've, I've tried that before. And I think it, it kind of like for me, it, it, I feel like it, um, oh man, it magnifies that pain a little bit more when I try to like block it out. Like I usually just try to focus on the location of it. You know what I mean? Like pinpoint it almost.
5: Yeah. I do a lot of breathing exercises when I'm getting tattooed.
1: Yeah. yeah, Exactly.
5: And that's where I got it from, from when I had my daughter, the breathe through it. Yeah. And it does work.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like your diaphragm breathing, you know what I mean? And you're trying to like expel that energy while you're breathing out and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Try to expel
3: it and ground it out and send it somewhere else. Right. The more challenging of a session my client is having, the more like, I mean, obviously the more empathetic I am, but the more I like let them in on like what really like I've experienced. And it becomes like this, if I can do it, you can do it. And here's how I did it. Totally. You know, and, and there are times where like let's say I am, let's say I'm working on a back piece and my client's really struggling as I'm in like the spinal area between the shoulders. One of the things I like to do is like I talk very softly to my clients when they're in pain. like, I, I get, I get very, very, very nurtury just because I feel like that's how I enjoy being treated when I'm in that much pain.
4: Um,
3: but I, I, it's almost like I'm whispering to them, but it's almost like I'm whispering to them the way that a coach would, it's like, all right, we're, we're almost there. If I can do it, you can do it, you know? And when, when it gets to the point where like, they're starting to hyperventilate because of the pain, I'll, I'll. Tell them like calmly just take slow deep breaths and as you take those slow deep breaths count each breath in and each breath out and see how high you can get just concentrate on the rhythm of your breathing like your own rhythm of your own breathing and to see how much like when I make somebody think about that simple function it like allows them to relax through the pain that I'm it does it doesn't make what I'm doing less painful however it helps them like deal with and cope with the pain like it lets them know that I'm right there with them every breath that they're taking you know
0: Uh
1: that's funny it's like we've tattooed next to each other before fun because I do the same thing to them like I I I will like literally uh change the tone of my voice and stuff like that you know and speak in a very like low kind of soft or kind of feel to them and stuff like that and I tell them just let it go man like whatever parts of the body that is touching the chair or the table, usually I'm tattooing on the massage table. So I'm like, whatever part you feel touching the table, every time you breathe, just pretend like it's falling through the table. You know what I mean? Just try to relax, let it go as much as possible. And then as soon as I feel the tension release from them, I'm like, there you go, dude, now we're on back on track. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they'll literally say, man, that last 30 minutes was terrible. But after we went through that, dude, like you could tattoo me for another hour for sure. Like just keep going. You know what I mean? And like, I think it's just that grasp of it's, you're not losing control. You know what I mean? You're not, you do nothing bad. It's totally not, nothing entirely bad is going to happen to you. You know what I mean? That you're fighting off that sense of that fight or flight. Like we've talked about yep. quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's you're, like, you're, it's like,
3: it's, it's like you help your client. Like we're going to hit these walls uh, during yeah. long tattoo processes, but like, it's like we have the ability to push our client up over that wall to the next yeah level. Um, one thing I like
0: you guys, one thing I like is that, um, from the other perspective is that you normalize the feelings that we're having just because you remind us that you see it every day because we don't. And, um, well, I mean, most clients don't, but those subtle reminders do normalize that intense pain, which kind of puts your mindset away from being anxious, you know, for showing pain, at least some people.
1: Yeah. I could see that for sure. I know and I think I know what you're saying. It's like it's it's okay to be in this position right now, is what you're saying. Like you're yeah, not the only one yeah. that has experienced this and stuff like that. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah.
0: yeah, that in and of itself is kind of nurturing that mindset.
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. Totally.
0: Wow, what an I incredible also thing, like.
3: Though.
0: I also kind of like if if it's
3: if it's somebody that I'm in tune with enough in, you know, like I know, I know where they're mentally at in their session I almost like you know how there are like guided meditations yes if I can if I can like guide my client while I'm working on them and I can be like all right I know this sucks but close your eyes just listen to me and I'll just like guide them through breathing and I'll be like do you see that fractal that's flying at you right now yeah Go through it yeah go through it and then like to like help somebody experience the like I don't know the 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 profound, like euphoric experiences that go along with tattooing. Like if I can push somebody to that point that I've been in, I feel like that I was in an incredible amount of pain. The first time I had this happen, like it was an incredibly emotionally challenging day getting tattooed. But like, once I started experiencing guy calls, on pain flowers, but like the colorful fractals that just kind of happen in your mind's eye when you're just flooded with like pain Mm -hmm. once I like got to the point that I could experience that and not like like I don't know there was just I learned a lot about myself in that day yes and if I can if I can guide my clients to pull those same gifts out of their tattoo process that I have stumbled upon that's just even more of a victory for me like that connects us even more to one another because like I've been there I've had that same experience and I learned from it and I grew from it and if we're on the cusp I might as well just push you right through it so you can experience the same growth of patience and determination and fortitude and stick and like all of those things that like you know once once you've endured something you you know you can do it again and you know you you've earned those stripes so like if, I guess what I'm saying is I almost, I almost look at it as a privilege to bring someone through that. Yeah. To like guide somebody through those similar experiences. Hold on. I got to mute this. My dog's fine.
1: I'm fine. I really dig what she's talking about right now. Cause like, I, I feel the same way, man. It's um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cultures that have for a long time had traditions where they like, you know, uh, you're stepping into manhood or you're stepping into womanhood and things like that. You know what I mean? And I think that helps establish a lot of comfort in yourself. And as far as yes. like feeling like you belong to something bigger than yourself, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the important parts. So it's one of the things that I think is there in the tattoo community. And when you see other people that are heavily tattooed and stuff like that, it's like, I think I've heard Fon talk about this on a show. Even it's like, you can look at somebody and be like, Oh yeah, you know, you get it. You know what I mean, like, yeah, you've exactly. been through this process, I can actually talk to you, and you will understand what it is that I've been through, and like, and that connection is something that I think all of us yearn for. Like, we're all like very, as, as much as we want to be kind of like uh, alone sometimes, and like, you know, a, lo- a lot of us as artists and stuff like that can experience a lot of these times where we're like. I just need to be by myself or something like that. You know what I mean? No matter what, at the end of the day, you do want to feel like you are heard. You do want to feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself, even, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's something that happens when people come in and they start getting heavily tattooed, they start experiencing that. And and like she's and like i saying is like, to be able to like guide them through that step, like what process you need to take in order for that to, to happen without telling them that's what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a very powerful thing, dude.
3: I think, I think the unexpectedness of these gifts is kind of what makes them powerful too. Like you don't start collecting a bodysuit to become a mentally stronger, more patient person. That's not what motivates you to collect a bodysuit, but that's one of those like accidental rewards that you, you can't plan for, but you receive through the process.
1: Totally. And it's pretty incredible, too. Like, we are talking about perspectives earlier and, like, how some people can take a glance at somebody with, like, a lot of tattoos on their body and think so many negative things about them sometimes right away. I mean, that's starting to dissipate quite a bit more and more. Mm, The more we're seeing them, you know, on television and the more, like, we see all these, like, uh, you know, athletes and stuff like that with, like, massive amounts of tattoos and stuff like that, it's starting to become a little bit more normed. But it's pretty incredible that the way that we can – as a as a culture as a society like glaze over the everything that we're talking about right now like all these processes and things like that and the, the endurance that that took place in order for it to happen you know what i mean it's just wild to me and that's another thing that i've learned too is like it's um you know you have to kind of open up your mind and, and your your um get past your ego self in order to like kind of accept what it is that you might not be a part of or or like at least try to understand some of it before you can even pass any kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, judgment. You know what I mean? Yeah.
5: I used to have a doctor that judged me for my tattoos.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Any, if any time I was sick, she'd go, did you get a new tattoo? Huh. I would have found a new doctor. Sounds like she's not
1: real oh, versed I did. in...
5: I did. She lasted maybe six months and I was like, no,
1: Um, we're done.
5: Yeah. I got a tattooed doctor now.
1: All right. So I'll share a story with you guys. I, uh, I had appendicitis, but I didn't realize that I had it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't have insurance and stuff at the time. This is like several, several years ago. And um, I stayed at home because I was like, maybe something just needs to pass. You know what I mean? Uh, well, that turned into two days. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm like, my fever spikes up to 103.5. And I was like, something's very wrong here. So I go to the emergency room. And I'm laying on the table and the doctor comes in and is like, what you're in pain or something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, uh, yeah, terrible pain. And he's like, Oh, I see you have a high fever. He's like, what do you want? Like some pain meds or something? I was like, no, I just need to know what's going on with me. Like something's not right. You know what I mean? He's like, okay, so let's take some blood. He takes the blood sample. He comes back in about 10 minutes later, the door flies open. He's like, your white blood cell count is through the roof. He's like, let's get you into the OR right now. (laughs) He's like, you, you're going septic, dude. I was like, Oh my God it was pretty incredible but the thing of it is like the thing that always still is with me to this day is like the way he was treating me at first like just like I was in there wanting some pain meds or something like that you know what I mean like it it was it flabbergasted me dude I was like oh my god that's the kind of culture we're living in right
3: now yeah I was gonna say to be fair that could be like just the pill culture we're in not necessarily just the tattoo culture like I'm severely allergic to codeine and anytime I talk yeah, to the doctor too. about anything, even like the littlest thing, they'll be like, why are you allergic to pain pills? It's like, oh no, I'm not a recovering addict. I really can't take opiates. I break yeah. out in hives. They're gross. We don't yeah. want it. I don't want anaphylaxis for the holidays. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but like part of it, and those situations might not necessarily be the tattoo culture or the the lack of tattoo culture but like yeah. um just so many people are going to the emergency room and all they want is a quick fix and a pill
1: yeah you know? no yeah yeah I totally agree and like that's the other part of it too like you have to be in his in his uh you know field to be able to understand that to interpret that like as far as like uh what happens to him on a daily basis or something like that mm-hmm. you know so i get that and stuff like that but it was just kind of odd to me like it's, it still sticks with me um, but i'm the same way man I'm, i hate i hate pain meds they make me feel funky dude i don't like coding coding upsets me really bad I've, I've learned that when i got my teeth pulled like a while back like my wisdom teeth and stuff like that uh in high school you know what i mean and i hate i hate them you know, I mean, I don't like them. I'd rather just, like, take some Tylenol or something like that and just kind of mm-hmm. wait it out. But, um, yeah. Yeah,
5: they just make me feel like I'm not myself, and I don't like that.
1: Totally. Pretty incredible stuff, though, Can I show this to you guys and you guys can tell me if you think this is looking okay so far or any pointers or any direction?
0: Of course.
1: I don't know if you can see what the glare. Get a little bit closer. There we go. She look too hunched over. Coming together great. You
3: know, I think maybe it's just the exaggerated jaw that kind of makes it feel that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if if I imagine like where her like anatomical chin would be underneath of that, I think it looks good. I think that stretched out mask kind of maybe makes it feel a little funny, but that's what you want, right?
1: Right. I think so, especially with the honey mask. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
1: What about her left nostril? the part against the background so probably wouldn't even
3: really see it
1: yeah it, d- yeah. it would be kind of hazed out wouldn't it like softer yeah, I
3: think I think at that angle you might not even see the nostril or you might see just the tiniest blip of it yeah like on the other side of the like the tip of the nose
1: yeah, yeah. okay cool radical thank you I like the
3: the cheekbone and stuff all looks real nice on that, that outer rim. The cheekbone is good. I think that minor adjustment of the nostril
1: will change a lot. Okay, cool. Thank you. Do You guys have any plans for new year's, any kind of, uh, you guys do the whole resolution thing at all, or what do we got going on?
3: I mean, I try to be a decent human being most of the time, so I don't really get into New Year's resolutions.
1: I agree with you. I like that.
3: Yeah, every day I just try to be better than I was yesterday.
1: There you go.
5: So if anything, that's my resolution.
1: Yeah.
0: Oops. Turn on my video there. Better than you were year, right? Yesterday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See you guys next year, bro.
0: i'm
5: uh, celebrating
0: uh, christmas chandler asked in the chat ricardo something that's throwing me off as a tangent between the shoulder and horn it looks like the shoulder chin and horn are all in a straight line
1: hmm hmm okay like they should be moved around a little bit maybe or Hmm. We'll see what he says. Tell Chandler to jump in the class. Jump in the class, there, Chandler. Let's let's talk. Come on in, bud. (laughs) Let's
3: have a discussion.
1: Yeah.
5: Trixie dog saying hi.
1: Hello. Look at that dog. Oh my god.
5: Say hi, little pug.
1: I love animals. Hello,
3: cuties. It's been so cold. My dog feels like she's so filled with energy and cooped up. (laughs) Yeah. Like yesterday, she was just kind of pestering me. I know all she wants to do is go for a walk, but like she doesn't tolerate the cold. I'll get her all (laughs) dressed up and we'll go like three houses away and she'll be ready to come back in. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: oh, great. My uh, my girlfriend was out in the country, and she has a German Shepherd, and uh, she will hear stuff outside in the middle of the night, like, you know, walking around like coyotes and stuff like that. And She definitely likes to prance around the bedroom quite a bit in order for you mm-hmm. to get up and let her out. Dude, It's like 2.30, 4.30, 6.30. The other night, it was like perfect clockwork. Every two hours, like, oh, my God, you're killing me. Killing my me. My so. dog won't
3: get out of bed once it's bedtime.
1: Yeah. Thank God. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, once Trixie's
5: eaten for the night, she's down. Yeah. But pugs sleep like 14 hours a day anyway. They're a lot like that. <laughs> wow. What are you doing,
1: cutie?
4: Yeah, Fawn's dog would just have slobber sickles. Mm-hmm. A little tongue will freeze. Her little ears to freeze. <laughs> There's nothing little about that dog. I mean, small, she's short. It, and she's stature. a compact back truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's great, man. She does drive by like over. Right. Like, she'll just like sweep by and just whoosh. all of a sudden, next thing you know, her tongue's reached out and grabbed you. Uh-huh oh is. look at that face
1: <laughs> look at her oh what a she vicious liked... pit bull look at that pit bull oh so no oh my
4: god she's pretty cool
1: I had a pit bull once <laughs> they they're the biggest baby dogs I've ever met man yes seriously such a loving little animal they get a bad rap
5: they do friend of mine has pits. And every time I go over, the second I sit down, they're oh, in do. my lap. <laughs> both of them. And I'm like, I love you guys, but my lap is not big enough for you.
4: Uh-huh. Bonds dog is a small Mac truck and
3: um she treats it like a lap dog, I think. So that's why
4: <laughs> it is
3: lovey. Yeah, she's got she's she's got a paw on my lap right now and her nose is oh. like creeping up. Oh.
1: Aww. does she a whine little- a lot?
3: Um she's very vocal but not necessarily a whine. Like mm. so Lolo's an American bully dog so she's like one of the exotic bullies. So she's got a mm. lot of um oh, traits that, that are cool. They're a little bit different than um pit bulls like she's much lower energy but she's yeah. incredibly strong. Yeah. Um I grew up with German shepherds and Rottweilers so like I grew up with dogs that like protected and that was their business to protect and Lolo has a lot of those traits. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not saying I am anti pit bull. My sister has a uh, three of them and my mom has one and they're fantastic dogs, but <sighs> Lolo's energy level is so much easier to manage.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: I can just take yep. her on a short little walk and she's good to go where, you know, a, a standard pit bull or staffy needs so much more attention and exercise.
1: Yeah. That's what I had was a Staffordshire Terrier. Mm. He was definitely like, you know, you'd sit on the couch. Once you finally take him for a walk, he sit on the couch. And then he comes up and bumps his chest against the couch. And it's like, come on, man, keep playing. Let's keep playing. Let's keep playing. I'm like, <laughs> dude, we just went for a walk, bro. Like, chill out, man. But I will say the best two dogs I ever had was a Rottweiler and that Staffordshire Terrier for sure. Just giant babies, man. It's great.
5: Best dog I ever had was a German Shepherd named Rufus. We used Rufus. to uh, raise seeing eye dogs. <laughs> and he, well, he didn't pass his test, so we got him back as a pet. We used to call him Rufus the Doofus.
1: Rufus the Doofus. You gotta love that.
5: He, was, he, he thought he was a cat. He really did. Yeah. He would go out in the backyard and play with the barn cats and jump around with them and act like a cat.
1: I will say that the Staffordshire, he definitely had some cat-like qualities to him. Like, he was always kind of, like, you know, laying around like them, hanging out with you all the time. Like, and then when he didn't want any attention, he's like, leave me alone. You're like, okay, dude, fine.
5: Yeah.
3: Well, I feel like my little waterfall over here is taking shape.
1: Let's check it out.
3: Let me see, see if I can get us a good angle. There we go. That looks rad. Nice.
1: Very cool.
3: Well, obviously, like down in this area, I'll have like some detailed foliage, but yeah, it's hard telling what this is going to turn into. That's killer probably I don't know maybe I'll keep it in all pinks and oranges maybe I'll glaze it with like a purple and start pulling out blues and greens we'll see
1: that'd be awesome
3: have any of you guys used any of this
4: um uh, uh, top um sealer glaze that goes over top of the canvas at the end that's got a, like an iridescent to it um, and there's like blue and purple and it, it looks white in the bottle but then when you when you paint it on, obviously it's it's clear, but when when it when it dries, it leaves the front of the canvas being iridescent. Like um,
3: turn it to light, and it just it, it's so cool. Has anybody used it or seen it? Um, I've seen automotive finishes and stuff that you can add that like pearl to, but I haven't used it on any of my paintings like this.
4: Well, that's an interesting idea.
1: I just picked some oh, up that dead. was um. I just picked some up for acrylic, an acrylic glaze. Um, yeah. Uh, and I haven't used it yet, but I'm trying to figure out what I would use uh-huh. it on if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like maybe something very light, something kind of like, um, um, it, it, like it, real kind of thing. It, it
4: acts like you wouldn't think. Um, I, I just, I don't know. It, it, I, think it, I, think it, I think it reacts differently depending upon what surface that you put it on um because it acted different when i put it when i tested it on the canvas i didn't put it over top of any kind of painting yet but um i did use it uh on sealing some like uh those wood frames that i put or uh put them um, uh, uh uh some flash in anyway um and it like it takes on the blue very fast like it goes on white but it takes on the blue very fast so I guess it would all matter what you put underneath of it I mean what colors was underneath if, of
1: it that's exactly what I was going to say like I wonder if it's showing more in the blue just because there's a little bit more contrast for it you know what I mean
4: I think so yeah, yeah. I, I actually want to try it on more things I just like don't know what
1: <laughs> yeah I would think something think like that would, would look pretty different. cool with with like some ethereal kind of like subject matter you know what I mean something yeah. a little bit softer yeah I think that would help kind of like, you know, um, amplify that like that softer feel to it maybe if anything. Well, but, what it
4: reminded me is her talking about waterfalls, like that would look cool over wa- anything water I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure like with that, sure. that extra glimmer or something.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I have some watercolor glazes that are kind of iridescent. They're not necessarily a color, but they have iridescence in them. Like yeah. one that has a blue to purple shift and one that has like a pink to peach shift. Yeah, i am I'm letting
0: um,
1: Chandler yeah. in now, just so you guys know. Cool. Nice. I'll make a new
2: layer so I can kind of draw what he's talking about. Uh, I was eating breakfast, so I didn't want to hop in the video call with you guys. So I was just watching on YouTube. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks for joining. No, no worries. Yeah, so you got a new layer up? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so if you take like a technical pen or something. Okay, so and then just draw a straight line from the the outside horn. No, the there. other one. Yeah, You do a straight line from there to her shoulder, and yeah, you know, like just pull it out a little bit to where it arches around, like where that hand meets. To to me, that are not not quite that far, but like you kind of see what I mean. by it's so close to all being on the exact same line. There, it like boxes it off right okay i see what you're saying so you're saying like yeah. bring this horn out a little bit more this way right? yeah like if, if you pull the horn either direction or like I, I personally would move the the jaw either farther forward or farther back just like to help you know. separate it from being on that same plane yeah okay like if you do that it would help break that up or even like if you adjusted um like how far back it is away from that line mm-hmm I think it would stop that boxed off feel okay
1: cool
2: i can see where it comes from
1: yeah because i've been fighting with the the extension on that jaw like i keep seeing it and it just makes it feel like the shoulders are really small and stuff like that you know what i mean but i think because i like the way that this one is i warped this uh, reference over here and i I'm, i'm thinking that i might bring it back just a little bit but we'd lose a hand then too though you know what i mean so um I'll, I'll play around with it though thank you for the pointers man i, I can see where you're coming from yeah no it's made it a little more interesting as far as the repetitive pattern right like you don't want it to be too boxed off
2: mm-hmm. you don't want it to just be like a super angular shape right
1: cool all right man i appreciate it was
2: this from much. the um the lesson yesterday
1: no no I've, I've actually had started this sketch a long time ago and i just figured that i'd jump on and kind of dumb around with it a little bit you know what i mean Cool. was uh, jason talking about some of these things in uh in his class yesterday
2: no um no i'm on the west coast so jason's class doesn't too early for me usually okay. but or sorry no um i was thinking james's uh, sometimes i get from jason's but um James. no i was doing a bunch of family stuff for my grandpa's birthday and all that so i missed all the other reinventing courses
1: yeah, it's that time of year, man. I kind of feel the same way. I haven't been able to be on many uh, of the Monday night classes for a little while either uh, for the same mm-hmm. reasons, like just this holiday stuff, family stuff and everything, and then and work as well. You know what I mean? So totally get it. That's uh, cool. I'll definitely work I on that. I still
5: have to go to the post office and mail out some gifts. Oh, snap. <laughs> I tried three times before Christmas, and the line at the post office was so long, I did not have time to wait.
1: Yeah yeah
4: here's that um that varnish y'all can see it here bottle looks like shit but trashed it is that just acrylic yeah it's um it's a color shifting varnish is
3: what it says so it's chameleon not iridescent is that what it is yeah it's iridescent finish
5: right but is it
3: it is it chameleon like chameleon stuff is yeah yeah it's, yeah it's cool because got you. like when, when you get into the the different the different additives that you can put into clear they all behave differently once gravity takes a hold of them like some really some iridescence and color shifts they like you said it settled into the canvas differently than you thought it would mm-hmm. um some of the chameleon stuff will settle in such a way that like gravity will pull each of those little tiny microscopic metal particles or silica particles or you know, like whatever whatever the iridescent is made out of and it yeah. will shift them so that like they're all directionally facing the same way that's how you get like right. the color shift when you turn it it'll be blue and when you turn it the other way it'll be pink or green or yellow because gravity right. is playing on all those little microscopic iridescent particles so that they're all like the, the crystalline structure, they're all facing the same directional way, almost like a polarizer would organize the light rays.
4: Right, like With right some here. some of those
3: iridescent finishes, the gravity helps them and like adds mm-hmm. more to what they do.
4: Can you see it on the frame of that?
3: That's a better shot right there. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a cool chameleon finish. Nice. Yeah, these are
4: these frames, that like I did the whole a rainbow. Yeah, it, they turn out pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, it's very yeah, that's cool. Rad. Oh, I like yeah. that. Well, I picked these frames up from like, you know, Goodwill. I hate, I I I hate, I, I hate the, I think it's stupid to buy new frames when you don't have to if it's, if it's a fitting that you can find. And I found these pair and I loved them, but they were beat up a lot. So I just went ahead and painted them over and I thought, oh, I'll try this stuff. And it turned out really well
1: repurposing it's awesome
4: yes that looks like one of jason's prints yeah they are they're jason dude brad prints i'm telling you like yeah <laughs> look at how dynamic they are against the wall they're so great he's great at that oh my god he's so good at that yeah those prints are really really nice
1: Yeah, that one's definitely like a glaze. I think the one that I have is a it's a meat it's an actual medium, you know. Um, let's see if I can show it to the camera here. Uh, this is the one that I got, and it's just like an actual an actual medium that you can use. But it's definitely iridescent, you know. Like I started oh, yeah. cutting, I kind of started cutting the uh, the acrylics with it. And I was looking at the painting that I was doing. And I was like, oh man, why is that kind of like a sparkly kind of finish to it? You know what I mean? And it definitely has like a glittery kind of effect to it. So I had to yeah. start over on the painting. But so.
4: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, that one definitely looks like a, a blaze.
4: Yeah, I use like <laughs> a shitload of the bottle. Because I like, it was just so uncertain for some reason. And then it, it it dries very quickly on the brush. Like you have to definitely keep stuff moving for sure. Mm-hmm. Very fast. And for it being a varnish, it it didn't act like a varnish on the brush. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know. It was very odd, but um, it turned out pretty cool.
1: cool.
4: Yeah. Whenever you use it, you got to use it fast.
1: Yeah, but, but there's like a stickiness to it, isn't there?
4: Yes. Um Almost like wallpaper paste. <laughs> yeah, that's what it seemed like, you know, or like Elmer's glue. Actually, it was like it was like the, the craft Elmer's Blue. It was, it was weird like that. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, today's been fun. I have a my client coming in at eleven, so I got to get ready for him. Um, we're gonna be doing some black and gray shading on his lower forearm today. Cool. So I'm pretty excited about that. But um, if uh, we want to take a minute here to kind of like everybody give a shout out. Let us know how to get a hold of you and we'll call it a day after that. Uh, we can start, Whitney. Why don't we start with you? Uh,
4: my name is Whitney G. I'm an Iron Rose tattoo company. Uh, you can reach me at ironrosetattoo.inc or any social media under Iron Rose tattoo. Killer. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Ricardo. Um, nice seeing you, Fawn and Amber. and i'll see you next tuesday okay
1: cool thank you whitney
4: all right later gators
1: peace amber you want to go next sure
5: i'm amber morgane i am looking glass ink and you can find me on all social media under amber morgane
1: Taylor, thank you for joining us today
5: no problem sorry i was late
1: don't sweat it it's all good uh chandler I don't know if you're
2: listening or what was that? I don't know if Chandler's on here.
0: Uh, I don't think so anymore.
2: Yeah. Okay. No, I'm still just hanging out, but I had it muted while I cleaned my kitchen. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. I'm Chandler Porteus. You can find me on Instagram at tattoos by Chandler. Um, maybe next week I'll be up and going early enough that I won't be eating breakfast while your class is going on. <laughs> right on, man. But yeah. Sweet.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. And I appreciate the pointers, man. I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Uh, Fawn, would you like to say hello and goodbye?
3: Um, hello and goodbye. Um, all right. My name is Fawn Baker. You can find me at Fawn Baker on all the socials. Um, you can also tune in every Thursday for Tattoo Collecting 101. we we'll talk about a lot of the same things, but more geared for collectors rather than tattooers so tune in hear us talk it's it crazy
1: yeah it's a great show I appreciate you uh joining in today and thank you for the conversation that was a um, really good, good way to start out my day so thanks
3: well thanks for having me I every every time I have a chance to join you on Tuesdays it's always a good a really good start to my day and I seem to always get a lot accomplished in a very small amount of time with whatever I'm working on so rock and roll thanks for having me
1: yeah for sure uh thank you everybody for joining today thanks for tuning in uh lauren thank you for all the help i can't thank you enough uh, it's been another good year and um i couldn't have done it without you and with everybody else at reinventing and all of you guys watching and joining and giving us critiques and um uh, you know helping us with the conversations and interesting things to talk about um it's always appreciated um I hope you guys all have a safe holiday and be careful on the first there's a lot of craziness out there so try not to be part of it and try not to let it be part of you but um y'all take it easy be safe
5: you too have-